Shalom Mishpocha. Shalom family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpocha, the family with a Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people. We're the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile. It's finally come down to form one new man, one new humanity, getting ready, Mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar, well, the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone everywhere to hear the good news. We want everyone everywhere to be red hot for the Messiah. And I, I have uh, watched this woman on television for many years, uh, and I know she's red hot for the Messiah. Her name is Karen Wheaton, and, and perhaps you don't know a whole lot about her, although you've heard her music. Um, Karen, uh, from what I understand, you owe quite a debted gratitude uh, to the inspiration your mother gave you. Tell me a bit about your mom. Oh, thank you, Sid. For one thing, it's so wonderful to join you on your program today. And I would love to tell you about my mother. She has been the greatest influence in my life and continues to be. She is a woman of God. Her mother was also filled with the Holy Spirit, as was her mother and her mother. So I come from a heritage of strong women that were sold out fully to the things of the Lord and walking it with Him. My mother, as a young child, encountered the miraculous in her life. Tell me one story you remember about your mom in the miraculous. This is a simple story. I remember my mother telling me this my whole life. When mother was six years old, she wanted a set of jacks. Now, if you remember, Sid, in the 40s, little girls loved to play with jacks. But in that time, because of the war and different things, metal jacks were very hard to come by. As a six-year-old little girl, my mother asked the Lord to give her a set of jacks, and she didn't tell anybody. She was on the school bus the next day, and sitting on the back of the school bus, a young girl about 12 years old gets up, walks to the back of the bus, hands my mother a little bag, and in that bag was a set of metal jacks. Now, I know to some people they wouldn't think that much about that. But you know what? As a six-year-old little girl, it taught my mother that when you ask God something in faith, he will answer your prayers. Last week, I was praying now, and my mother is close to 80. I'm 52 years old. And I found myself in prayer last week saying, God, thank you for the jacks that you gave my mother because it put faith in her as a little girl, that you answered prayer, which now has put faith in me that you can move a mountain. I, I have to tell you something. When God does the least thing for me, I, I am so thrilled um, o- over this. So I understand that story. Okay, you're eight years old. You become a believer, but you had quite uh, an experience with the Holy Spirit at eight. Tell me about that. I was eight years old. I was standing at the, in the Church of God of Prophecy in Hamilton, Alabama, where I was raised. It was a June summer night. My mother and my grandmother, had, I had seen them filled with the Holy Spirit all of my life, moving in the gifts of the Spirit, healing the sick, ministering to people. I wanted what they had. I was so hungry for the Holy Spirit. I was standing in the altar. I can remember it like it happened last night. In fact, Sid... I still have the dress that I had on that night hanging in my bedroom 
door right now as I speak. I, I also think you have that same anointing on your voice right now as you're telling me that story of what happened when you were eight. Go ahead. Oh, it's it's he's he's the same Holy Spirit right now to me as he was those years ago, standing in that altar with both hands raised high as I could get them. I had prayed and sought him until I was. Honestly, I was soaked with sweat. I had tears rolling down my face saying, Oh, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I had people praying for me all around me that night, as old Pentecostal women used to do. And all I can tell you, Jesus said that out of our belly would flow a river of living water. I can remember the moment he came into me in an eight-year-old little girl's body, and out of my belly would flow this water out of my mouth. I began to speak in another language, the language of the Holy Spirit. And he filled me with power. And I found that is so wonderful. He does not, to children, he does not give a junior Holy Ghost. It's the same spirit that filled my mother and grandmother and great-grandmother. In fact, he's the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Uh, You know, people flip that that statement, but it is so beyond comprehension. I I hope you heard what Karen Wheaton just said. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. I mean, you're talking about he took every sin that you've ever committed. He took every sickness uh, that has ever tried to come upon you. And that same Holy Spirit that was so powerful to raise him from the dead— was in Karen and in you. Um, Karen, shortly thereafter, you heard the audible voice of God. What did he tell you? I was walking in the trees uh, behind my house, my grandparents' home, actually. And all I can tell you, Sid, is that young girl, having just received the Holy Spirit, I fell in love with, with Jesus. I fell in love with the presence of God. And it was in those trees I was walking through there one afternoon in the woods just behind the house, and I just sensed that undeniable presence. And I heard his voice very simply, just simply tell me I was called to preach the gospel. And I knew that I had encountered the true presence of God and the true voice of God. And at 11, I mean, now you're, you're, you're really an old woman. At 11, you, you had an opportunity to speak at church, and the Holy Spirit showed up. Describe what occurred. I was 11 years old when I was singing. Do you remember the old song, Sid, they used to sing, Jesus, there's just something about that name. Yeah, I love it. I was singing that song, and they had given me... Uh, a recitation for the middle of the song that I was to speak. All I can tell you is while I was speaking, I sensed something, someone besides me coming through me and flowing through me. He was a power. It was a presence. It was an unction. It was an anointing. I didn't understand it then to understand that it was anointing. All I knew was I felt an empowerment of the Holy Spirit, using the words that were coming out of the voice and the mouth of a little girl, yet they were having a deep impact on the adults that were hearing them. I didn't know what it was. I just knew whatever this is and whoever this is, I want him every time I sing, every time I speak. And I know now him to be the anointing of the Holy Spirit. 
tell me about the song, I Have to Believe. I love the message of this song because through the years of walking in faith and standing on the Word of God, I've learned that in every circumstance that we face, and we all face those times of difficulty and impossibility or places of deep hurt or betrayal, where do you go except to the Lord? And you seek Him until you get a word. Now, counseling is good. Going to other people and talking about these things that you're facing, are, it's a good thing to do that. But people are limited in what they can do. You seek God until you get a word from God. Once you get a word from God, you stand on that word unmoved and believe that promise will come to pass. And and I believe that as they listen to you sing this right now, that they're going to, that some are going to hear a word, others where the word has almost died. It's going to come back and they're going to cling to it until it manifests. I have to believe.
That was Karen Wheaton singing, I Have to Believe. Now, when people hear her music, lives are radically changed. Uh, different uh, uh, psalmists have different anointings. I believe God has put an anointing on Karen to push you to passionately worship God. And I also believe that when you listen to her music, the same thing that's happening to me is going to happen to you. You're going to want to pray in tongues and worship and praise God. I'm using her music now to pray in tongues. I did it for a couple of hours the other day. We're making her three best music CDs available for a gift of $40. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. Karen, I, I have to think that you have a ministry that uh, with young people called The Ramp. I think they keep you pretty young and pretty uh, red-hot for the Messiah, do they? I think that's why I love hanging around with young people so much. They make me kind of forget how old I am. But then the good thing is in the spirit, we never really age, do we? No, and, and, but let me, let me take you back. Uh, you started talking at a, as an 11-year-old. You spoke at church. The anointing came all, all over you. But just out of curiosity, what effect did it have on those that heard you? I began to see the people weeping and worshiping. And the Holy Spirit, the Word of God says the anointing destroys the yoke of bondage. And, and in their worship, when you are ministering in the anointing, I believe he reaches deep down into unseen places of the heart and brings healing and life and deliverance in ways that sometimes are seen with the naked eye and other times are seen in places only the Holy Spirit knows. But he can reach and heal the hurting through the anointing of his presence. Uh, you know, speaking of healing, I take a look at a ministry like a Benny Hinn. I believe the single catalyst to the great miracles that happened there, that it is the worship. Uh, why is worship so important for people to manifest their healings? I believe it's because people get their eyes on Jesus. When, when they're able to take their eyes off of the circumstance or off of their, uh, even the pain in their natural body, and they're able to look up and see the glory of his face. Because when you begin to worship him, you see him. When you worship him, he comes. It's the promise in his word. He inhabits our praise. And when he comes, he comes with healing in his wings. He brings deliverance. He brings whatever we need. And that is the guarantee of his presence. It's when we see him. Now, when you worship, uh, when you have your meetings with the ramp uh, of these teenagers, um, you're seeing literally everything I read about in the Bible. You're seeing the blind see, the deaf hear, people being set of, uh, free of addictions of all kinds, being set free from homosexuality, uh, from uh, the addictions of pornography, suicides are being, uh, are being uh, aborted. Uh, it, it must be wonderful, but it all comes from that intimacy with God. And somehow you managed to create such a God hunger uh, within the people for, for his presence. Uh, but I want to take you back shortly after you were uh, filled with the Holy Spirit 
you saw an angel. Tell me what you saw. Was this angel anything like uh, the angel sometimes we see on television? Well, you know, Sid, it was a unique experience. I never forgot it. It happened shortly after I had received the Holy Spirit at the age of eight. It was a very significant experience for me when I received the Holy Spirit. Shortly after I was lying in bed in the middle of the night, obviously sound asleep, my sister Janet was asleep with me at the, in, in bed with me that night. I woke up because the light in my room was so bright. It was as if someone had turned a very bright light on in my room. It, when, I, when I woke up, I opened my eyes to see standing in the doorway of my bedroom was a beautiful angel. It was, it was so white from head to toe. It was glowing. It was so bright, indescribably bright. And yet I could see its features. I could see its facial features. I could see as though it were clothed in light, and yet it almost looked as though it were a robe, and yet it looked as though it were light. I could see its hands, one on top of the other. It was moving toward me. It was moving toward me where I was lying in the bed. I had no fear. I was not afraid of it. I sat straight up in the bed. I reached my hands out toward it. I was going to get up. I wanted to go toward it. I wanted to touch it. My sister woke up and didn't see anything except she saw me sitting up, and and she saw both of my hands outstretched. She took her hand and pulled the back of my gown to keep me in the bed. As I began to reach toward the angel, it stopped. The angel had lights coming out of its eyes like flashlight beams, and they were on me. These beams of light were, were on me, and the angel did not seem to want me to touch it. It began to back up, and it backed out of my bedroom, and oddly enough, it, is, it was as though it ascended straight up into the ceiling of the house and left. Now, you know, I'm, I'm just naturally curious about, uh, about angels. I have actually seen an angel that appeared as a person to me. Uh, what did this angel look like? Did it look like a person? It somewhat looked like a person, yes. There was so much light around it. I could see its eyes. I could see its face. I could see its hands. I could not see its feet. It was as though it, it, was, it went into just smoky, uh, cloudish at the bottom of it. I could see its facial features. So, yes, in that sense, it did look like uh, a, somewhat of a person, yes. So at 17... Uh, you, you went to Bible school out at uh, the old PTL network, and you started being a regular on the PTL show. How did that happen? I went to school where Jim Baker had opened a school of ministry uh, to to begin at this, the fall of 1978. I was 17 years old. Oddly enough, Sid, I went to major in Christian drama. I love drama. as It's still what we do today. And I thought, he was saying they would have Christian soap operas, and I thought, yes, I can do Christian drama. I had been there only a couple of weeks when they said that my accent was so Southern I could only be used in comedies. (laughs) (laughs) I was devastated. But it caused me to sing one night in a Christian supper club that Jim Baker owned. And I was singing on a Friday night in that little supper club. And oddly enough, the song I did was, He Ain't Never Done Me Nothing But Good. So that's if that's southern enough for that's you. southern. <laughs> he happened to walk in that night and ask me to be on the program Monday morning, and from that experience on his program on that Monday morning, it literally opened the door to the world for television. It's a door that has opened and has never closed since. 
and it really launched me into the ministry that I'm doing today. Very briefly, tell me about the song For Every Mountain. For Every Mountain is a song dear to my heart. I have learned that in the places of challenge, we can find a place to worship. And do you you remember the old song Andre Crouch sang years ago, Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. So that through the places of trial and pain and hurt, although our Father does not bring evil upon us, and He never has, He takes those places and uses them for our good, takes what the enemy means to destroy us with, and turns it for our good and his glory. So in the places of pain, I can look back and say, Father, even for that, I can give you praise. In other words, you're going to win either way, as long as you keep your eyes on Jesus for every mountain. To thank God for so many blessings, so many open doors for brand new mercy. You give with it. That's why I praise you for this I give you praise. I just thought of a good reason to praise him. For waking me up this morning for starting me on my See the sunshine of a brand new day. Oh, for the many blessings you give with each new day. That's why I praise you. That's why I praise you for this. I give you. in here tonight like me, but when I remember the mountain, mountain, you brought me over, I remember the trial, you saw me through, 
now I look and I see the blessings. All I can say is hallelujah. And it's for this. For this. I've come to give you praise. Karen, how does someone handle um, uh, the problems that went on with Jim Baker and PTL, the problems that went on with Jimmy Swaggart? These are people you that I'm sure you got to know. And then the problems in your personal life, um, a lot of people would just throw in the towel. How did you handle that? Oh, the blood of Jesus that washes away all sin for all of us. And, you know, Sid, his, his precious word is everything that we need to stand on and build our lives on. I'm thankful as a young girl, I was raised in a Christian home, and I was raised in a, among a group of people in our church that were real in God. I saw as a young girl there was a real God and that his presence would come when we would pray and seek him. So as a child, I fell in love with Jesus. I fell in love with his presence and his word, and I saw his word work as a young girl. That gave me the foundation I needed when the winds and the storms of life would hit in later years. It was, it was the one thing I could always go back to to stand on, that even though sometimes we're disappointed in people, we can all say, Lord, you Give us the strength. You are the one and the only one that never changes. Now, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying, but what you went through was so devastating. Many people, even knowing what you just said with your mouth, uh, would have thrown in the towel. Why didn't you? I was walking on the word that God was giving me. And the first word that God gave me in going through that trial on the personal level was that I was to forgive. And that in, in, in that trial, in the fiery trial, and the pain of betrayal, and the pain of, uh, of just the marital st- stress, I was depending on his word, and he taught me the journey of forgiveness. And I found that it was a decision that we make, and that when we make a decision to obey the word of God, he will give us the grace that we need to do what he's telling us to do. Uh, but there was also one moment in which you were uh, uh, at a ministry and T.D. Jakes was there and he walked by you and just a couple words from God that uh, God used him to deliver really at the right time, the right place. Tell me about that. Well, I was singing at a conference one time at Rod Parsley's and T.D. Jakes would happen to be there to uh, preach. And he walked over to me in the middle of that fire. And no one in the building really knew what I was going through that night. And he walks over to me, and with a word from the Lord, he just says to me, enough is enough. And it was as though the Holy Spirit was just telling me, there comes a time when the Lord himself can say to you, it's over. It's enough. 
And when God says that, it comes with a release in your spirit. And, you know, I remember I remember going through the, the, the pain of the infidelity. And I remember you go through such a wide uh, such a wide emotions and and I was experiencing at times just the anger and the hatred and you want a place to put that anger and I learned that people are not our enemy sometimes we want to put our anger on a person that has hurt us or betrayed us or people but people are not our enemy we have a real enemy he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He is the devil. There's a real God, and there's a real devil. One time in the deepest part of my pain, I remember being on the floor in my bedroom, and I said to God, God, give me vengeance on the enemy. Give me vengeance on the devil that did this to me, and here's the way I want it. I said, God, give me a song of healing and deliverance. And let me sing that song to more people than I've ever dreamed possible. And for my vengeance on the enemy, God, I pray that you will send me people that are hurting. Send me women that are hurting like I'm hurting and men that have known the pain I've known. And let me take the healing you're pouring into me and let me pour it into them. And in doing so, let me make Satan regret the day he ever touched my heart. That's the way we can get vengeance on the enemy, is by letting God heal us so completely that the place of our pain becomes the source of healing for many. I I have to believe that although God didn't do this to you, because you went through this, you have compassion like you would have never had before for others. It's true, Sid. And Having been raised in a wonderful Christian home, I had never known the depths of pain like that. And I can tell you, when I'm praying for a woman who walks up to me and says, my marriage is falling apart, I've just found out my husband is unfaith- has been unfaithful. It is an unspeakable pain that only Jesus can heal. But having been through it on the other side, I can tell you, Sid, he can heal that pain. And I'm telling you, heal it completely. Tell me about the song, I Know a Love. I Know a Love was written by a lady that was actually going through the pain of betrayal of an unfaithful spouse. It is the message of hope. It says in one place of this song, when the storms come and when these things arise, I know one thing. I know that your spirit lives within me, and I know there is nothing that my God cannot do. I know a love to build my life on. It's unshakable, it's unmovable, it's unchangeable, and it's the love of my Father. I know a love with Karen Wheaton. But I know that you 
So many lives are being radically changed when they listen to Karen Wheaton's music. I want your life radically changed. I want you to get on her spiritual DNA of the hunger she has surrounded with all of these kids from the ramp that are just pushing for a closer walk with God. The three best music CDs of Karen Wheaton were making available for a gift of $40. Call our order-only line. 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. How do you manage to pray at 5.30 a.m. with these teenagers? Well, it was an amazing experience when the Holy Spirit called me to work with young people. And much to my surprise, actually, at the end of 1998, when he called me back to my hometown of Hamilton, Alabama, and uh, I was, I'd been in the ministry for over 20 years by myself. And I come back to my hometown of 6,000 people uh, in the middle of nowhere, and the Lord spotlights to me the youth of my city, sitting on the hoods of their cars in the wee hours of the morning, purposeless and unaware of the real God. And he speaks to me, Sid, and he says, I want you to work with the youth of this community. Well, I explained to God why I was not the best choice to work with young people. I was too old, not cool, 
and way too busy in the ministry. And Sidney gave me one statement that he knew would get me. He said, but what you invest in the lives of other young people, you would reap in your own children. So with two teenage daughters, I took him up on that offer. Now, now tell me the first, the first young people you spoke to to get involved with. Tell, tell me what that was like. It was about seven young people in the back of a storefront church that my sister and her husband pastored. We were in the back of that building on a Wednesday night, and I went to just sort of help out. I didn't really know what God had in mind. I just thought, I'll help with what I can. And with seven kids, I began to teach them that, number one, there's a real God who will come if you seek him. And number two, he has a reason for you breathing. There's a reason that you're on the earth. He has a purpose for your life. And if you worship him, you seek him, he will come. And when he comes, he will he will speak to your heart, and you'll understand why you're living. That's what they did. They sought him, and he did not disappoint them. He came. And when he came, those kids became addicted to his presence. And, Sid, what you're talking about, about the 530 in the morning prayer meeting, that began at the end of 1998-99 when those kids came to me, high school kids at the time, and said, Miss Karen, we want to pray from 5.30 to 6.30 in the morning before school starts. Would you come with us? So sometimes in the dark, it would, the, the sun had not even come up yet. I would pull up in that parking lot, and I would, sometimes I'd be coming in from a road trip tired, and 5.30 I would pull up, and you've got a whole group now. Seven kids turns to 30 kids. They're sitting on the sidewalk waiting for me to open the door. There were times we prayed in those early mornings, his presence so thick, it was indescribable. Those kids prayed for God to send young people to Hamilton from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And Sid, 30 kids, has turned to hundreds of thousands of kids that have come now from around the world, just like they asked God for. I want them to hear one of the uh, songs from the CDs we're featuring, uh, a song that uh, I love the title, Lord, you're holy. Uh, what does that song mean to you? I love to worship him because I love to see him. And whenever we worship him, we see who he is. Years ago as a young girl, I said to the Lord, Lord, what, what is it about praise that it's so important that you command that we praise you? As a young girl, I said, Lord, does praise have an effect on you? Does praise change you somehow? Do you need to hear us praise you and worship you? I said, I'll do it because you command it. But why? Why do you want us to praise you? Is it the change on you? And God spoke to me and he said, Karen, nothing changes me. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. But praise changes you. When we worship him, we see him, and when we see him, we are changed forever. Let's worship with Karen Wheaton, Lord, you're holy.
don't you lift your hands and tell him tonight? Lord, you're holy. Lord, you're holy. Lord, you're holy. So
Tell me how you taught them to be worshipers. How, how did you do that? Did you, did you have a seminar? How did that happen? You know, in the early days of working with these young people here in Hamilton, Alabama, it was, I had fallen in love with the Holy Spirit myself when I was a young child, and I experienced His presence, and I knew that I, I didn't exactly have a manual of how to work with young people, but I did know the way to the presence of God. And I thought, you know, I may not be cool in their eyes, but if I can get them to his presence, he will wreck their lives for him like he did me. And so I taught them that, number one, there's a real God. And Sid, most church young people need to understand and believe and be taught that there is a real God, not a religious God, but a real God who comes when we seek him. And those young people begin to seek him. And he came. How did they learn to seek him? It's kind of funny. I remember when I first met with them for prayer, we joined a circle, and we were joining hands, and I said, now, guys, we're going to pray. Come on out. I want you to pray with me. They all bowed their heads and said nothing. You would have thought we were saying the blessing at the table, because that's really the only prayer they had been around. But, you know, it's not just young kids. I believe that most Christians don't know how to worship God. It's, it's, it's sad. But true, Sid, I determined that day, I'm going to pray like I want to hear them pray someday. So with those kids in a circle with me, I prayed with all of my heart and all of the awkward silence, just the way someday I would want to hear them pray. And if you were to come to the ramp today, you would hear hundreds of kids roar in prayer and roar in worship. Oh, okay, I'm going to grab one of your hands right now, and there's someone listening to me that's going to grab the other hand, and we're among those original seven kids that you started with for about uh, a, a minute. I want you to pray like you might have prayed at that time. I, I, I want to hear that, Karen. Father, we give you praise that you are real and there is no God like you in heaven or earth. We worship you that you are God and nobody else is. Father, we praise you that when we call on you, you are not far away, but you are near. And when we pray, you come. So come, Holy Spirit. Come among us and reveal yourself and reveal your heart and reveal your worship. We declare, Jesus, that you are Lord. You sit high and you are holy, and your eyes look upon us now. And we declare out of our mouth right now that you are God and you are our God, and Jesus, you are Lord. Now, when hundreds of young kids are holding hands and praising God like that, Karen, I have to believe anything is possible. Well, let me tell you something. When you call on him, he comes. He does not disappoint a true seeker. And what I found in this generation is they have hearts that are seeking for truth. And he is what they are looking for. Now, tell me just briefly about the song, Taking It Back. Taking It Back is a song 
that is a word of encouragement that everything Satan has taken from us through the word of God, we are able to recover it. And maybe today you're listening and Satan has come into your home to take your children. And maybe your kids have come out and, and left and gone into bondage or gone into rebellion. Well, it's just the devil's tough luck that God gave that son or that daughter to you because you're going to stand in faith and you go to the door of your house today, open the door of your house like I did and say, in the name of Jesus, I call my son and back to my son and daughter back to truth. And in the name of Jesus, I take back what Satan has taken from me. This is a warrior song. Let's hear Karen Wheaton taking it back.
more time. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My Jesus, thank you for your promises, Lord. Hallelujah. I don't want it just back. I want seven times more. I want everything God promised in Jesus' name. Do you mind just thanking him one more time with a hand of praise, if you don't mind? There's no God like you, God. There's no God like you, Father. There's nobody else like you, I know. Oh, for your faithfulness. That was taking it back by Karen Wheaton, and you can see why I say I love to pray in tongues to her music. I love to worship God to her music. It, it makes me happy, I have to tell you that. But the anointing, it destroys the yoke, and this is another tool that is so significant for you to have playing in your home all the time, playing in your car all the time. Three of her best music CDs available for a gift of $40 Shabbat broadcast. Let me pray over you. The Lord, he's blessing you right now. The Lord, he's smiling upon you. God himself is smiling upon you right now. The Lord, he's gifting you right now. Just open your hands and receive the gift. See, taste, the Lord is good. The Lord is surrounding you with his favor right now. Now, the Lord is giving you his shalom, his completeness in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body right now. In the name that is above every problem, Yeshua HaMashiach Tzikinu, Jesus the Messiah, our righteousness. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box, 39222 Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, Send a donation to Sid Roth, that's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.